This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 460, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Fanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 460, a number of almost no significance. I am Josh Flanagan. Today with me is Connor Kilpatrick. So this is not an all-email show? No. Oh, crap. I prepared wrong. You know what? That's, that's, you know what? that's fine. <laughs> Sounds fun. <laughs> and for the way busier than I think we're comfortable with Paul Montgomery, we have uh, Jim Viscardi, editor-in-chief of comicbook.com, the most valuable URL in in, in I don't know, fandom. I don't, what, what, Hello, what friends. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Jim. <laughs> Good to have you. We were so oh. tired of doing two-man shows. This is great. I was starting to get worried. I was, was like, like what's there were multiple on? like like uh, uh, like feuds going on. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, much like much, Connor's, much Connor's like, not talking to Paul, but Paul won't talk to Josh. <laughs> it's like Eric really, Clapton I, I, in, the, in the Beatles sessions at the end. You know, you have to you, yeah. you have to bring a third guy in so that I will acknowledge Josh's presence. I started a chart, and I was trying to determine what, what the actual beef was, but I'm glad everything's okay. He knows what we're gonna call you. We're going to call you Billy Preston for the rest of the time here. <laughs> he knows jokes. what he did. He knows! We are iFanboy. We like comics. Every week we read a bunch of them, especially on fifth weeks where there's not supposed to be a lot of books, but there is. Uh, and we, one of us will pick the one that they call the, the best book of the week, the pick of the week. Uh, and we'll talk about it here on the show, other books from the week, and some other stuff, and uh, perhaps some tomfoolery, some nonsense, and uh, hijinks, maybe? A hijink or two? Multiple? Uh, before we get going, we're going to talk about what happens in the book, so there will be spoilers if you haven't read them yet. Read them and come back, or uh, be forewarned. So here you go. Connor, you had the pick. This was a fifth week, and I had uh, a very bizarre stack of comics. I actually didn't have that many. I don't know what you were reading, but I, had, I didn't have a lot. What I did have was almost entirely image comics. Yeah. Because they don't seem to give a fuck about the fifth week. They just put everything out anyway. Um, but the best book ended up being Wonder Woman 35, which was the final issue of Brian Azzarello and mostly Cliff Chang's uh, epic Vertigo-esque Wonder Woman story that started with the New 52 relaunch way back three years ago. Yeah. And A, who would have thought this particular story would have lasted this long? It was basically what it was. Flying in the face of all convention, it was a 35-part story. Mm-hmm. It very much was like a Vertigo, um, not just in content, which was very unlike DC and unlike the New 52, but also in format in the way that it was a giant epic tale. And uh, I give DC credit for publishing it. I give the creative team credit for, for doing it and um, bringing in a whole bunch of new Wonder Woman fans because this book appealed to a lot of your non-traditional Wonder Woman fan base. Um, and this is the final issue, and I thought it was a really nice bit of symmetry in that that very first issue, which was the pick of the week. I believe it was yours, Josh. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember. I, I wrote that one. I think. Yeah, that's just how it wasn't long. Your, it wasn't your ghostwriter back then? <laughs> yeah. Um, mm-hmm. it, it began with Zola and the pregnancy of the young girl that Wonder Woman was protecting, and it ends with that baby here on the throne on the throne of Olympus. And I liked I liked how it all came full circle. I liked that this bizarre story of 
the god infighting in the family. Basically, this was the story of a dysfunctional family, and that that is sort of how it ended. And I just like this really bizarre take on Wonder Woman. And it's funny because I haven't, again, that we've mentioned this before, not doing the website. We don't really keep up with the news anymore. And I, I knew that the David Finch reboot was coming. I didn't know when. And I kept thinking, well, it's got to be soon. They keep talking about it. So what's, what's happening? And then suddenly this book is over. Um, so it was a nice kind of surprise to not know this was the final chapter until basically the day I, I, I got the issue. It's weird that it seemed fast, but of course it obviously was not fast. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it just, I was like, oh, that's it? But like for two years, we're like, all right, get on with it. A <laughs> <laughs> little bit. A little, little bit. And I think a lot of the credit goes to Cliff Chang, who yeah. uh, from the very beginning, and he's, he's draw, drawn uh, maybe two, two-thirds of this run, we'll say. Uh, yeah. really establish the identity and the look and the feel of this book. I mean, this is a... I remember when he was first announced, we were all like, yes, because his Wonder Woman is, you know, it's a, not a sexualized Wonder Woman. It's a, it's a badass Wonder Woman. I remember we interviewed him way back at Comic-Con before the book came out, talking about how he was choreographing the fights like a wrestling match and uh, really fun art design from him. And this was another great issue in which we basically got almost every major character that we've seen throughout this run in a, in a big-ass brawl. And so it was bloody, it was gruesome, even Zola suddenly develops these claws. We find out why later, because she was actually Athena. I, th- or, I thought or I Hera, I'm sorry, that. she was Hera. And, no, she was uh, Athena. I thought it was Hera, I thought you said Hera. No, no, no. no. I get the no, gods mixed Athena up. Athena came out. Athena's the goddess of wisdom, hence the owl. Oh, that's right. Hera, Hera reverted back to, in the last issue. Hera reverted You're back right. to her godhood, and she was like, "Oh no, I'm a god now. I don't care about people anymore." <laughs> she was gone, which I, was kind of cool. I think we'd be remiss without also um, mentioning the work that Matt Wilson's yeah. put into it. Colorist Matt Wilson's put into it because I feel like if any, one of the things that um, attracted me about the book is like the just goes to show how great of a colorist Matt Wilson is. I feel like Wonder Woman has been a book that sort of had has had its own tone and feel. Um, you know, and even with the emotions set by color alone and sort of had a look that made it stand out from a lot of other books on the store shelves. Um, but that, that whole team, you know, one of the things I loved best about the entire run was, um, I always sort of considered myself a fan of that pantheon of gods anyway, and to see them sort of reimagined and, uh, and dropped in the DC universe, I thought was uh, a you're one of you're one of those uh, Olympus geeks. One of those Olympus geeks, uh, but like you know, just to, to see all that dropped in the middle of the DC universe and how how it all came together was a lot of fun. That, I mean, it'll be a good collection for anyone when they finally release sort of the the mega collection to have on their shelves. Yeah, I, mean, I think I, I mean the other thing that that Matt Wilson did though is that and across the board as a creative unit, uh, you know, when the fill-in artists came in, it was in the same tone, which mm-hmm. is helped greatly by the color. Uh, I'm trying, I'm can't, um, it's it's totally escaping me, but there was only one or two guys, usually one. It was Tony Akins, I think. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, doing doing most of the most of the fill-ins, and and you know Matt Wilson helped hold it all together, and I think that it helped that you know when the alternate artist came in. It, that was also consistent. It wasn't yes. that guy one week and, and uh, Rodrigo somebody the other week and, and somebody else. You know, like, th- there was you always kind of knew what to expect with that. And and they saved they saved the big moments for for Chang. You know, like all, mm-hmm. all you know the, the big battles and the and the reveals and the and the designs. Obviously, that had a lot to do with it. 
I'm looking through the issue now, and there's a lot of bold color work, especially in the beginning uh, with the big fight. Is that Neptune? Is that mm-hmm. what it is, Jim? Yeah. Yes. Uh, and then, and then, but then the the sun sets, and it's it's night out, and everyone is sort of has this blue sh- color to them, and it's not like a normal depiction of nighttime where it's just dark in the background. This is like everyone is in the moonlight, mm-hmm. and that's sort of unusual for 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 a lot of regular superhero comics. And I like that, but the only like pop of color is is the eye, the uh, the eyes from Athena. So it, it it's a really great looking book. It remained great even through the whole run. It remained a great looking book. And this is just one of those special, you know. Even as we we soured on the most of the DC slate, this wasn't one of those books we always enjoyed. It was, and even and it was, was even if it was slow, it was interesting at, always all the way through. And it was interesting that. It was interesting that that like it was touched on in the other books. Like it wasn't like they just ignored yeah. this, but it was kind of like yeah, you know, we'll, do, we'll do just do your own thing over there, and we'll yeah, you know, oh yeah, yeah, you're like a god, right? And then they move on. And the only book that really know. did that was Superman, Wonder Woman, of the books I re- read. Yeah, that's would, true. We would incorporate that, but even then, it was hard because this Wonder Woman doesn't really exist in the rest of the DCU. Yeah, which which was bold and cool and uh, you know what one thing i don't know is like i don't know if this sold i don't know if this was successful yeah and I, it's i'm curious i mean they let them do it for a really long time so it can't have been a complete tank but uh you know at the time that they were like they were basically trying to mainstream everything they had as much as possible they kind of went the opposite direction with this and it's one of the only sort of out there concepts that they stuck with so I don't know well, what like, kind well, of I mean, it's over. Are. And it's telling that they are oh, going three completely years. the opposite direction <laughs> with the next... The next. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, but, you know, they, they, gave, they got their shot. Right. You know, yeah. and, and oh, they told their be, story, for sure. Yes. It, you know, it wasn't truncated. It wasn't, like, wrap it up. It, you know, they got to do everything, I feel like. And I don't, I don't... It didn't feel like any of the other DC books. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was pretty, pretty unique in that way. Right. Uh, so, this issue, this issue was fun. It was exciting. It was great art and it was a great wrap-up to to that storyline so i'm you know happy i read this all the way through happy they published it happy they got to tell their story and uh i guess i'll give the next creative team a shot why uh, i don't know i like wonder woman i'll see well okay let's let me know how that goes <laughs> i will let you know how that goes um so yeah, no i th- fine I, for a while for a while i mean just just to finish like for a while this was my favorite dc book yeah yeah. And, and like that was for the first year or so, I was like, "Oh, that that's the stuff," and it it's never really gotten bad. And I, you know, I've totally been with it the whole time. But that was impressive for a long time to have a Wonder Woman book be my favorite book. That mm-hmm. never happened. So, so this is the last issue of Saga in two thousand and fourteen. Yeah, they're taking a little hiatus. Little hiatum. Two, little two month hiatus. Which Saga. is weird because it feels like this issue was is ready to jump right into something and well, that's we kind of what they do right the, the last time there was a big hiatus there was a big cliffhanger also this is, yeah. this is saga 24 and uh, the big cliffhanger is that a bunch of the characters that have been left behind in in, in the world marco and and uh, prince robot the fourth uh, are now banding together to find the main you know the fa- their families and uh this is good i would like fiona and brian k vaughn to do one issue that was entirely of the animals, <laughs> just all the animals. One with se- one with the seal, one with the new uh, demon Saint Bernard, uh, lion cat, all of them. Anytime Fiona draws anthropomorphic animals, I just want more. 
I like that the seal is very proud that's, of his chopper. That's <laughs> that's one of those millennial things you're talking about that you like cute animals, right? I like cute animals. Like cute animals who talk, who are slightly, who are anthropomorphic or not. Like that's kind of like your your whole generation's that's, trademark. That's our shtick. Uh, have a monkey do it. <laughs> and Josh, <laughs> Josh fuck the spider. You don't like it. Yeah. What are you talking about? I don't like it. <laughs> You're not a millennial. It's true. <laughs> did you enjoy this issue, Josh? Of course I did. Of course I did. I, I the seal. You know, I was like that went on for a while. Nope, uh, but but you know there were bits of it that were fine. Uh, I I thought that it was the, the scene with the the will and the spider, which was sort of a trademark saga, like yeah. to just sexually shock the hell out of you, which mm-hmm. I think is is a fun thing they do with this book, and it really challenges the ideas of. I don't know what you can do with a comic book and get away with, and and you know it's not like anyone's calling this book sexist. No one's, no one's doing that. Right. Uh, so they're they're doing something right, and I've, I'm always like, well, how come this is okay? But if they had Iron Man do that, it wouldn't be. Um, it's just a, I mean, Fiona Staples to me is is one of the one of the best artists working right now. Like just just across the board, what she does, she does so much with so little apparent effort. I get, you know what I mean? Like, it's just so few lines. Everything just looks kind of perfect. And that, that stuns me every time. I also thought it was interesting, the reveal that that, that, that I don't know, mossy stump lady or whatever she is, she was married to the author guy. And, uh... Well, she's also bat- doing, the, she's doing the color art, too. So there's a lot of, yes. there's not a lot of lines in her drawing, but mm-hmm. there's the color, the backgrounds especially are very sort of painted yeah. and detailed. I love yeah, but the, even that's... I love the scenes with the, the Twilight backgrounds. Mm-hmm. They just they just feel nice. <laughs> they feel good. <laughs> they feel good. Yeah. I also I really liked uh, the little the little former sex worker girl yeah. hanging out with the the horn lady and their relationship as it exists now and and sort of getting a, a to peer into that uh, that world that they've created the rules. Well, she's my whatever not intern but something you know so she can go with me into war zones and I I, I think that kind of stuff is neat. The rules the world of those. Building is pretty great. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, this is a good issue. It was, and it's uh, you know, last page was like, oh, I want more of that. There mm-hmm. has never been a scene with Prince Robot the Fourth that I wasn't like, I'd really, I'm really glad that's over. There's Every time he guy. shows up, I want to, I want to know more, and they, they don't give you enough of him. I feel, but maybe that's the best thing about it. He's like the yep. Punisher, Josh. He's your Punisher. <laughs> well, no, he's your Punisher. Admit it. It's the opposite. Well, because for other people, when they see I the see- Punisher, they get excited. In yeah, the last that's page. you get excited for Prince Robot the Fourth. He's sure, I don't, get, I don't get excited for a lot anymore, so that's <laughs> fine. This is uh, one of the I think is probably the only book I've ever read where dragon semen is uh, a plot point. You can really you can tell that Vaughn really just gets off on shock value. <laughs> I think later in the Song of Ice and Fire, that that's a thing. <laughs> I don't. Know. Well, is it, there there will be times where sometimes I feel I am too prude for this book, <laughs> <laughs> and it's not that the, the the surprise sex scenes are fine. It's oddly enough, it's when they when they use you know the when they use you know words like the f bomb and things like that, where sometimes they feel like they're they're out of place. Sometimes they feel, sometimes they're fine, but sometimes I'm like, mm, do you really need to put that are, there? You're referring to the phrase "cunting cunt." <laughs> Because that was in this. He, he clearly, this is a heightened world in that sense. Because everything's uh, yeah. dialed to 11. A mean both. person said it, though. Right. So that's cool. The language and the sexuality, it's all dialed up. 
yeah. but that's not i mean that's that's pretty consistent with his with, you know with y or with x mark a little bit more yeah. yeah but you know that's this world you're right mostly all, probably because he can because he can do it an image easily yeah. more easy than i don't i don't think he was he had that much you could say you could you could say anything you wanted vertigo i don't think that was a problem right yeah this is they, they did preacher that's true meat fucking josh I I didn't missed it. I'm very sorry that I'm not very sorry. I'm very happy you're here because um, when you were gone last time was when War Stories came out, so I didn't get to talk about War Stories. I talked about it with Paul, and he was just like, "Okay, whatever." <laughs> War <laughs> Stories number two from Avatar. This is where Garth Ennis took you know took his can that he he puts out <laughs> for around. donations uh, down to Avatar, and uh, this is the story of a soldier flying a B-17 flying fortress. Oh man. You've not been reading this? I didn't I I I wasn't I was out for the last one and then so I I didn't remember to get it and then I just didn't see it was going to be You have to warn me about stuff like this. I put I put it in the rundown 2 minutes before the show. <laughs> I I specifically asked you earlier is there anything I need to make sure I, just I read. I figured you knew about war stories. I will I will I I'll Okay, I, I really I only have one question. Yeah. Are we good? Well, the thing is, you know how in the past we've with like tankies and the other stories we've said I I never want to uh-huh. Be a, you know drive a tank in a war. I'm, in I'm war. very familiar with the B-17, and I I know my thoughts on that one too. And then we said also there was a there was an old war stories that took place on on a ship, and we were like I never want to be in a ship in the war. Mm-hmm. And in this one, it's your chance to go. I never want to fly a plane in the war. So we're down to infantry. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the thing. You know those guys. They were the uh, like the like the uh, the general support staff. Right. That's, uh, we, we, they, we already established that would be Ron. We established this long time well, ago. He would have, Ron would have found a way to be on the the, the mail, mail room guy back at the CP, and you and I oh. would have been in the fucking foxhole in Bastogne. Yeah. We already established that. Anyway, Maybe like the guy who does like the math for artillery. <laughs> Like, because they're like, behind the front line. Although those guys are in danger of of enemy artillery, you mean and, like and of Nixon? course, like Colonel Nixon. No, Nix was intelligence. He's far too. He was a well. You know, I could probably do that job. He although was he in had the to back parachute. until he got in trouble, and then he and then he had to parachute as punishment. Yeah. yeah anyway, that's, that's your band of, band of brothers talk for this episode. But um, I feel like you cut it off earlier than you had to. But I understand why. This this in this story, it's a three part story, and it's called as I scroll back, Castles in the Sky. Um, it's about an American po- soldier. He's a gunner, a side gunner in the in the Flying Fortress. And is Matthew Modine in this? He's not. Okay. But it's did anyone not- get that? <laughs> it's from um, uh, the one with uh, what's it called? What was it called? Memphis Bell. Memphis it's Bell. The only B seventeen movie. So um, he, not only do we deal with you know his missions and and the Germans, and this one's all about uh, all the horrible th- missions that they go on, but also he's he's befriending the kindly single. A British woman in town and her son who hates him because his dad is dead and died in the war. Uh, so there's there's a night there's that sort of patented Garth Ennis commentary on war on one hand, and also the patented Garth Ennis fantastic uh, characters stuff going on uh, in these parallel stories. The only negative thing I'd have to say, and I'm just checking to make sure I'm not an idiot as I scroll back to the credits, is that I think the art level is a little lower than you would have gotten from a. You know, a Vertigo book, Vertigo uh, War Stories, or from a um, Dynamite Dynamite War Stories. This is Keith Burns is really, really, really good at doing the planes, which I guess is the most important thing. That is key. I mean, basically, if you're looking <laughs> for the artist, you're like, you draw the plane and they whip up a good plane, and you're like, 
All right, you got it. That's right, fine. and those scenes are fantastic. I feel like it suffers a bit when he does the smaller stuff with the with the girl and the, the son, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. that's not. It's a minor quibble. They can't all be Chris Weston. No, you're gonna really enjoy God this when not. you remember to read this. I will read it. I will. I'm. I do have. I have a stack of backups from weeks that I wasn't on that are. But you will. You should put these at the top of that stack. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, all so right. That. Fine. Did either of you read Rasputin, number one from Image this week? Hungrily. I decided I didn't have enough to read, so I from, imi- from Image, so I decided to try this out. It's from Alex Grecian and Riley Rossmo, the team that brought us Proof. Yeah, and I, I saw that this was coming out. I got very excited. I was a big fan of Proof. Um, I like I like uh, Alex's writing, and and I like Rossmo's work. And I've seen it over the years. And the thing that I came away from this issue was thinking that he has really come a long way since Proof, yeah. and I liked Proof art wise. Yeah, yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. it was it was very nice. Uh, really, really good layouts and 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 um, figure drawing and and all the the stuff uh, that was in. I thought it was wonderful. What did you think uh, of the story? Well, there wasn't a ton to it, which was good because I was reading it just before the show, and I was like, "Oh, there's no words in this." That's yeah, awesome. go quick. <laughs> um, no, but like, I I love that. I I love that as a as an experiment, not a, but a, a use of the comic book form. Uh, there's there's basically huge sections of this with no dialogue. Um, as we sort of learn about this version of Rasputin, uh, if you don't know, Rasputin uh, was a Russian monk, often called the Mad Monk, uh, rumored to be unkillable. People would try to kill him, and he would he would not die, or he would resurrect himself. Got very close to uh, to the Russian royalty. Um, there's another book. It was a book of the year for iFanboy about Rasputin uh, at one point. But this is a different take on it. In this version, uh, we go back to Rasputin's childhood. Um, and we see his his father, who is a gigantic bear of a man, fight a bear. And we also find out that he has he's a mutant. He has Big old uh, bear fight. It's yeah, like he uh, has, pushing daisies in old Russia. Yep, he can bring back dead people. I liked uh, I liked this so including I, bears. That's pretty much what we learned. Well, I don't. I, yeah, and I'm not sure how I feel about this particular um, version yet because I do. You know, Josh and I love history, and I don't necessarily need a supernatural take on Rasputin, but. Um, I did like the way they used it. So his dad's a dick. He takes Rasputin out to cut, chop wood. They go back to the. He makes him Rasputin carry a giant armload home. They go back to their little little shack, and Rasputin's dad beats his mother to death, knowing fully that Rasputin will just revive her. And then so he does. And then so then the next day they go out again, and a bear attacks, and the bear and the father kill each other, and Rasputin just revives the bear, <laughs> leaves his dad to be dead. I did like that. That was that was fun. So yeah. he's like the ghost over his shoulder as an older man. That is the dad's ghost. Yeah. I also thought the back cover was really cool. Uh, it's just the the text piece where it where it says when the legend becomes fact, print the legend. Mm-hmm. Um, Robert didn't Robert Evans say that? <laughs> you bet your ass he did. <laughs> um, but I, I just don't know. Books? There's no. not there's not enough here for me to really decide what I what I feel about it. Is what I'm trying to say, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's a cold open. Yeah. Yeah. It looks so, fantastic. You're it looks right, fantastic. You're right about Riley Rosmo. They, they, you know, they've, they've done it in the past. I, I loved Proof, the whole thing, you know, all the way through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so, you know, uh, Gresham's written a f- couple of novels in that time. You know, he's a stronger storyteller, you know, obviously more confident to be able to do a comic book like this. And, uh, you know, let's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm on board. I'm, I'm definitely sticking around for a while. I think they'll deal with his purported giant penis. I hope so. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's kind of the only I mean, reason I read. He's, I he's got comic. one. Why not use it? Duh. 
So when Ron left the show many years ago, Ron, if, if you're a new listener, was the one of the co-founders of my fanboy and this show. He really did read a lot of image books. Um, uh, he, I, I thought for sure we were done with Savage Dragon. <laughs> oh, said, Ron I'm... is gone. No more Savage Dragon talk, and yet here we are, Savage Dragon 199. That number can't be right. Am I? Am I? The, uh... <laughs> Just how? Am I the only one who read this? Yes. What do you yes. think that whole just preamble was about? Come on, man. This was... go back and read 198 issues before that. This whole issue was double page spreads. Is double really... page. I feel like the number should be higher, shouldn't it? Oh, that's not. I thought that's not what I thought you were saying. It's been but 20 okay. years, hasn't it? It or... doesn't do the monthly. Yeah, that's true. It's not a monthly book. Um, He's a one-man show. <laughs> what do you want from him? Yeah, Eric Larson, you're slacking. Uh, that was funny. I'm a, I'm an on again, off again Savage Dragon reader, but uh, when I you know I heard that this was a double-page spread issue, um, I will take any giant Eric Larson art that I can get. Um, it's a pretty crazy issue. He fights a bunch of demon beast things. Um, what I really liked is how Eric Larson really... These aren't double-page spreads for the sake of being double-page spreads. Granted, there's one that totally is. But um, there's there's just one scene in particular that I encapsulated sort of everything that I, I really like about Savage Dragon. And it sort of comes at the end and all the, you know, demon beasts are... Um, you know, dead and on the streets or whatever. And there's a ton of people standing around in a crowd and everyone's having their own small little conversations. And it doesn't matter where you look on this double page spread. Um, like there's no rhyme or reason to essentially where the, your eyes need to go. Like there's a cop that's, uh, t- you know, pulling a lady's camera away being like, Hey, none of that. Um, and there's, you know, just like weird and crazy things where the interpersonal relationships that I think Eric has down pat uh, is exemplified in just this, this spread of a thing. Um, it was a fun experiment to see Eric do something like this. He's been doing sort of gimmicky type things as he le- goes to to 200. I, I can't say I'm totally... any way to stay involved <laughs> yeah. with this emotionally. How about, uh, how about this one? They all have uh, cow heads. I don't know. <laughs> Um, I'm every, every so often I'm, I'm, I don't really like, uh, Malcolm dragon, uh, you know, Savage Dragon's son, but, uh, hopefully when we get to 200, it'll start to pick back up. But anyway, double page spreads. It looks fantastic. It's Eric Larson. So, um, check it out just for the fun. I will. Good reminder time to check out ifanboy.com slash Amazon. The holidays are finally upon us, Josh. They are. We're, yeah. We're entering to November now, so that means this, we're, in, you're going to start seeing the holiday commercials. Start your shopping. Be a good citizen. Spend all your money at the stores. And if you're going to be doing your Amazon shopping for the holidays, please help us out by going to ifm.com slash Amazon using the little link there to Amazon, making all your purchases. We get a piece of that sale. Nothing out of your pocket only comes out of Amazon's deep pockets. So we appreciate everyone that does that uh, for all their holiday shopping or all their regular shopping too. But if you're a big holiday shopper, we... We would thank you if you did that. And ifanboy.com slash registration is where you can become an iFanboy member at 3 bucks a month or 30, 30 bucks a year. And that's people that help us directly. We really do appreciate that. So uh, everyone who helps us out either way is, uh, is the best. You should spend thousands and thousands of dollars there. You should. Every, no, everyone no listening. No reason not to. Yeah. 
Uh, so I, I already gave all my money to NPR this week because they were hammering home. Oh, mine was over like a month ago. It was awful, yeah. and I'm already a member, so I'm like, I, how do I? <laughs> I one of the, I know I a fast guy. forward past these. I met a guy who's one of the local NPR reporters around here, and I was such a fanboy. I was like, so tell me. I just, I just wanted to know everything. I was like, so do you just drive around all day? And he's like, yeah, you get mileage. Like, so <laughs> how, come, how come I have to listen to all the commercials when I'm already a member? He's like, we're trying to fix that. I was like, okay, Wait, why are you leaving? Wait, come back. And another thing. Fantastic Four Twelve. This has been sort of your standard. The, the team. It's it was it was like at a panel if somebody's got like Joe Quesada up there and they're asking him tons. Of, I was that guy, but for NPR. <laughs> That's what I was. Not well, whatever true. happened to the special report that Susan Stamberg was doing on the Supreme Court? <laughs> Jesus. Oh boy. Ann Garrels has she not gonna go to Iraq anymore? I don't know. She's national. I'm like, okay, yo, sure. They were like, get I one think of those. Robert Siegel has to go. He should have seen you coming by your outfit. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic Four number 12 has been uh, the standard, the team breaks up storyline, but I think that James Robinson's peppered it with a lot of fun details, including this uh, issue, which included Spider-Man guest star, and there was a lot of Spider-Man guest starring this week in various comics, but uh, Johnny Storm's in trouble, so it only makes sense that they, that they would have Spider-Man seek out some help because they're supposed to be best friends, yet you never see that actually happening in the comics. Um, and also I've seen some little nuggets in here more multiverse stuff out of Marvel which is suddenly everywhere which is leading you to next next year's multiverse story so they're really playing that up with all of a sudden hey we, 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 talk, we never talk about all these multiple Earths but there are and here they are and let's deal with them so it's interesting to see them start laying the seeds for whatever they're going to do next year uh, just probably mash them all together bah. yeah Guardians of the Galaxy uh, this was, I guess I, I really am Ron because I only want to talk about this because we finally get the fate of, uh, Richard Ryder and what, what happened to him and retired? why, and why we're never going to see him again. Oh no. Uh, it's so funny. I, um, the, the issues leading up to this, I guess it was branded an original sin tie in. Um, even though that event is over and the new one has already started. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, we learn that uh, Rich Ryder, uh, one, had a crush on Gamora, uh, and well, two, sure. yeah, I mean, naturally, um, and uh, two, wanted everyone to keep it a secret and sacrificed himself to save, I guess, Thanos and Star-Lord and Drax. Did he sacrifice uh, himself so no one would find out about his crush? Yeah, yeah uh, pretty much. He essentially, at the very end, uh, told Peter Quill and said, hey... I've had a crush on Gamora, but you can't tell her, and you can't tell her I'm doing this. And cool, so the man, whole cool. <laughs> the whole tension uh, and the issues leading up to this was, you know, Gamora was all angry that uh, Star Lord was keeping a secret from her, and then when he finally told her, then she got even more angrier. Um, but it, this was this was one of those issues from that we get from Bendis that hits you in all the right emotional places. Um, it's it's. I like to I like to always be surprised by Bendis with issues like this, um, and this is a good one. It, it closes a chapter. Questions can stop being asked. I'm sure there will be all of those at conventions. Yeah, <laughs> at conventions. Now uh, questions he, can finally stop being asked at conventions. Connor, we can go back. <laughs> so is is he dead? Like he's dead. He's dead. He essentially takes the 
uh, Cosmic Cube, and uh, no more com- writers. He combines yeah, no more writers. He right. combines that energy with the energy of the Nova Force and opens up a portal for the Guardians and Thanos to get back or to leave the Cancerverse and get back into our lovely warm six one six universe. Is there a reason that we? I mean, like, are we? Because there's some. You may maybe you know and you just can't say. But so so just nod. Like, is there some legal reason why they've decided that the new Nova guy is better? Is it just because he's been in the cartoons and kids know him better, or we've just decided to Kyle Rayner that shit? I I just think it's they just they just got rid of him. There's no <laughs> no shady backdoorness. They just got rid of him. Doesn't make any sense. Oh. I mean, why? I mean, why? Like, how many the, people? How many people read that book? No, but it's just strange that they would change the primary character. I mean, they could have well, very no, easily but what made they have now, writer, one of the cartoons and all that stuff. I don't know. Right, but the one that they have what's now the, is, is what's all the new over character's the place. name? Uh, Sam. Yeah. Sam. That's right. Uh, Alexander. Sam Alexander. Sam Alexander. Okay, yeah, and you know, but yeah. he was in like he's the, the one in the cartoons and the yeah. video games and so, all that. So, so it's like uh, it's like John Stewart actually, which is probably not a bad thing, but I guess that's it's you know it's fine. I feel like we never got the definitive Rich Rider story, though. Southern, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Southern Bastards number five, Josh, what did you think of this? It was basically the origin of Coach Boss, which is turns out it's actually his name and not a, just yeah. a joke. It's, well, it's a, that's, uh, that's, that's a helpful coincidence is what it is. I thought it was a joke. No. Yeah. Well, I think that was the thing. He played you, boy. Uh, I, it was good. It was real good. Uh, you know, that, that sort of ending the last time was a shock because it's like, well, what the hell are we going to do now? Mm. But, you know, I, it's, like, it's like in Scalped where all of a sudden we're going to hang out with Red Crow for a while, I think. And you sort of get to know him and what his deal was. And I think it was laid out pretty damn well. It's like he was the, the, the nerdy kid who, you know, who, who had to prove himself and had to, you know, maybe not all. He was Rudy, but evil, basically, <laughs> is who Coach Boss is. Um, He's got a lot of will. Yeah, yep. Uh, you know, it was it was good. I like the I like the sort of impending arrival of of uh, the daughter, and the, the you know the way that this we just we got to see a little more of how the town works and what the deal is with the whole thing. And I'm in. You know, mm-hmm. I liked it. This book scares me. Uh, in, in this, in, in in what sense? <laughs> well, I live in the South now. Sort um, of. <laughs> sort of. Sort of. He lives in Tennessee. He's in Nashville. It's, it's yeah, like it's, it's like the Austin of of <laughs> of, the, of Tennessee. Yeah. Um, no, it's just you know when when we it's all the little things that uh, Aaron the Confederates <laughs> gave up Nashville. They said, "Oh, we don't need it. It's fine," and they left it. So that well, but it's it, it's it's really it's all the the little things that just make the book feel more. Um, Authentic. Real, yeah, a real and authentic uh, that just has gotten me more involved in the book because I, I mean I see those people, the, these there are people like this that exist. Yeah, with a rebel tattoo on his neck. <laughs> yeah, yes, that guy um, scares the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just like, and but but, that, but that's the thing. It's like I I love the the authenticness of it, and and that is one of the things that just sort of keeps me going. That, uh, uh, and especially, you know, since the the gut punch of the issue that we got before this was just this book is good. Just read it. This has been three northeasterners talking about the south. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. <laughs>
<laughs> so northeast. <laughs> Whenever I read Civil War history, I'm like, those jerks! <laughs> what are these two books we're going to talk about now? 75th uh, anniversary celebration for Marvel? Yeah, what is that? Oh, those man. Like one of those big books that you buy, like at Barnes & Noble, <laughs> like on that table, and it's 15 bucks. And it was originally 80 Look, This had art from Bruce Timm. Uh, Chris Somney and uh, a ton of other people. It's one of those, you know. I'll do that again like Stefan. So this was like one of those those all-star books telling stories. (laughs) The the first story by James Robinson, Chris Somney, and uh, Jordi Belair is worth the price of admission alone. And essentially... I'm, I'm sold on that right away. Yeah. Now I feel bad. <laughs> Thanks. It, uh, it goes through, like, you know, sort of like the early days of the Marvel Universe as it would have existed, you know, in its early days where you see, um, you know, young Donald Blake, young Tony Stark, and, you know, the Fantastic Four They'll before they... Donald Blake, the Gerd Jarlson, <laughs> Odin... <laughs> And everyone else from the nine realms will be there. Right, I'm, yeah. the face I'm downloading it now. Yeah, well, it just it just it literally goes through all the major players in the uh, in the Marvel universe there, sort of, and how it all just sort of came together. And that that story alone, I was just like, oh my god, I would like more of this. Um, but then you continue on, and you know, Bruce Tim does uh, a story that's based off uh, something that Stan Lee wrote. Um, in an old issue of, of Cap that was more like a prose story and Bruce Tim drew it. Uh, and it looks fantastic. I would like more Bruce Tim Captain America. It's never going to happen, but... He this, cover, this cover is such that I would never, ever have seen this no. on the rack. It looks like a brochure. I mean, it's a neat piece of art on the front, but that, that titling at the top is just abysmal. And then, uh, well, yeah, and it's great. And then interspersed throughout the the various stories are um, fun little Marvel stories that never happened, uh, much like you know the the teasers that are go- that have been, <laughs> been sending out. But uh, you know, with with like Bendis and you know his cavalcade of artists like Diodato and Canones and um, Pacelli and things like that, where what does you Diodato know, have on that guy? <laughs> <laughs> Where you know, it's it, you know they're fun little things like that. You know, for it, it's a big meaty book. Apparently, if you got the print edition of it, there were a bunch of really weird 75th anniversary uh, ad, ads in it from like licensees and retailers and things like that. But they're not in the digital edition, so uh, I didn't see those. But anyway, uh, it's it's a nice little sort of one and done type thing to sit through, and uh, you get some good chuckles. They get yeah. to see some great art. That Bruce Tim story is gorgeous, right? Holy cow! Isn't that amazing? Don't you want yes. more of that? <laughs> it's it's almost yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Dave Stewart colored it. Yeah, and it's like he's got a little bit of Joe Simon, Jack Kirby, Captain America going on, like the posing and stuff. But it's Bruce Tim. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I gotta go, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so now I, I really, really thought we were done with the death of Wolverine. No. He died. That's the end. So yeah. this is the one that I tried to finish before we got here, and I, I didn't have time for it. I was like, oh, maybe I'll try to read that because it's Jerry Duggan and Old Man Cap, which, that, which yep. is 
which is that sounds good to me. That's why so, I picked it up. <laughs> do I need to go? I need to finish this, right? You need to finish it. Well, what okay, did you think, that's what what did you think in your partial read? I literally was on the first page and I was like, I gotta go record the show. <laughs> Sorry, Deadpool. You lose this time. <laughs> so, uh, so this book, Death of Wolverine, uh, Captain America and Deadpool number one, uh, is uh, Cap and Deadpool realize that AIM has a, uh, a knife that has Wolverine's DNA in it and it has fall- obviously fallen into the wrong hands and they don't want them trying to clone Wolverine. So they have to go in and get it. Uh, and old man Cap just is priceless. Priceless in this book. Um, there, you know, and everything from like, you know, Deadpool, that would, Deadpool would make references that Cap obviously would not understand. You know, that joke is still funny. Um, uh, and there, it, Scott Collins did the art on this. So there, it's got like a, a weird sort of like 90s-ish vibe to it. Um, but like 90s sort of done right. Is it good uh, Collins or bad Collins, Josh? Um, I'm actually still looking at the... Which I have a comment I have to make on it when we're, when we're done. Bring All me right. back. All right. Let's go. I'm going to look at that now. You go ahead and, and I'm going to get there. Uh, so anyway, it's just one of those... It's a... Uh, more and more I find myself attracted to one and done type stories and this is very much it's good collins good yeah collins. yep yeah that'll, that'll do <laughs> so there's a there's an in memoriam page in this 75th anniversary thing oh yeah and it's like the name of everyone who'd worked on marvel books who's dead <laughs> jesus but yeah but which which is and More it's like a recycled it it's one of those recycled captain america images i think no but here's the thing is that they've selectively bolded some of the names and not others, which is weird. It's like the people get applause at the, the in memoriam. <laughs> sort of, <laughs> yeah. Like like Dwayne McNuffie, Dwayne McDuffie, real big. Uh, 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 Jerry Siegel, no. Joe Kubert, no. Jack Kirby, he gets a big one. A lot of other Jacks don't. That's weird. It's really weird. Like yeah. I, there's no, there's not a design thing. So Ross Andrew gets a big name. Mark Grunewald, Saul Brodsky, Steve Gerber gets a big one. Someone who's was went by the the mononym Stockbridge. <laughs> <laughs> so, what you're saying is all the goodwill they engendered with their Bruce Timart has now been lost on you. I just no. I just want to understand this. Vince Coletta got a big name. Well, he, I don't see. He, he I don't see why that's names. okay. <laughs> Wally Wood got a big name. George Tuska, big Bill. Kurt Swan, tiny name. Maybe if you worked for DC, well, you got a tiny that, name. When McDuffie worked a lot for DC. That's a good point. So that that takes that one away. Gardner Fox, small name. <laughs> Harvey Picar, small name. Wow. Really? Yes. That doesn't make any sense. That's stupid. Do it. Do, do make everybody equal or not. I don't understand. Kurt Scharfenberger, mid. But his name is really long, so the, it makes sense <laughs> that it was smaller. That's, that's what's going on. Seth Fisher, small name. Stan Drake, Stan Goldberg. Huh. Who How the big hell is, is Stan Lee's name? Is it blinking? He's not he's dead. Not dead. Oh shit. <laughs> well, he's been dead for years, I thought. He's not technically dead. The robot Stan's been around. Robot Stan. <laughs> yeah, we He'll have live that's, forever. That's an old podcast joke. He's a true believer. <laughs> so 
those are the books we're going to talk about on this 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 fifth week of comics. There's a reason I can't remember your name, even though I've met you a hundred times. Programming problem. Uh, you can go to ifanboy.com and find the post for this show. Talk about these books, other books you read this week, uh, all at ifanboy.com. And now, uh, last time there was a major movie announcement we talked about at the show. So in the interest of equal time, so that no one yells at us, we're going to talk about the Marvel Studios' big announcement from this week, in which they announced their Phase 3 movies taking us <laughs> through 2019. It's, it's so, like, supervillain-ish. Well, now the Phase 3 movies would be... <laughs> <laughs> James, Josh and I will be in our 40s when this this announcement is finished. Oh my god. <laughs> Shut your whore mouth. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. So, you, you guys are you guys aren't even going to remember the stories that these no movies are based off of. I don't remember who I'm talking to right now. <laughs> so, we're just to quickly run down in case you were under a rock on uh Tuesday? Tuesday. Tuesday Marvel Studios threw a big uh hurriedly put together event in Los Angeles to announce their movie slate. Uh, so in, in 2015, we've got the Avengers Age of Ultron, and we've got Ant-Man. And I think both of those are technically Phase 2? Yes. So Phase 3 kicks off the next year, 2016, with Captain America Civil War and Doctor Strange. And uh, we'll talk about the casting in a minute. And in 2017, we've got Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Thor, Ragnarok, and Black Panther. 2018, the Avengers Infinity War Part 1... Captain Marvel and the Inhumans, which I know Josh is excited about, according to Twitter. And 2019, only the one film, supposedly, Avengers Infinity War Part 2, which I don't believe there will only be one film that year. No. But, uh, so that's the, that's the big announcement. The big news, obviously, in this was that uh, we got the Black Panther and Captain Marvel solo films, Captain Marvel, of course, being Carol Danvers. So there was, you got your first female lead film from, from uh, yeah. Marvel and your first uh, black lead film in Black Panther. And you find Take out she's Cree and gets cancer. Jesus. <laughs> 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 and so they also announced that this thing that Chadwick Boseman is going to be playing back Black Panther and you may be wondering why they announced that uh, three years out. But that's because he's going to be in Captain America Civil War which is shooting you know, soon. So much like the announcement for all those DC characters, you can now assume those are going to be in the Batman Superman movie, Chadwick Boseman's going to be Black Panther in Civil War, and probably in uh, Avengers Infinity War and that kind of thing. So, um, James, you, you still cover this stuff. What do you think of these announcements? This, an announcement like this was very unlike Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they like to go two, three years out at a time. Not, not something like this. Um, they, the internet sure is excited about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, it was interesting to see them put so many, um, or it's interesting to see like where the other movies just sort of fell in line. Cause you know, when the DC movie announcement happened, everyone was like, Oh great. Wonder woman and, you know, and cyborg and, uh, you know, diversity and all that. And then Marvel comes around and says, we're going to do the same thing, but we're going to do it earlier. Uh, <laughs> And so everyone who was all like, you know, oh, Marvel, you know, Marvel, it's a shame Marvel hasn't done it yet. And then when Marvel does it, people are like, it's Marvel's still bad. Marvel's still I, sort of the enemy. I love that the, the bullshit intercompany like one-upsmanship, which is always the most transparent thing on Earth, has, has uh, elevated itself to this like multi-hundred million dollar film level. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> Well, those guys across town think that they can spend $8 billion on movies. <laughs> I love it. I, I love that it still exists, and it's, it's bullshit. Like, but 
It's it is crazy that that it's extended it to Hollywood. I mean, anyone who doesn't think this was a, a re- response to what DC annou- or Warner Brothers announced is crazy. Also, I think this was also part also the leak of the trailer. I think. Yeah. Well, also in the in the way that they did it. I mean, you know, the one thing everyone likes to say is, "Oh, look, DC did it," you know, in front of shareholders, and Marvel invited fans. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I saw some comment like, "Well, this clearly shows DC only cares about making money." Yeah. Well, let me introduce you to a little company called Marvel, <laughs> which, which is owned by another company you may have heard of, who owns everything. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I am super excited for for all of these. I yeah. think these will all be a lot of fun. It was very interesting to see. Uh, you could see where the the definite age gap was in comics fans, where there were people who saw Thor Ragnarok and said, "Oh my God, great! We're going to get Walter, you know, Walt Simonson stuff here." And then there were other people being like, "Oh, they're making a movie Ragnarok. out of." Out of robot clone Thor and from Civil War, and they were like, and so it was just, it was interesting to see that. I mean, who knows? They could go in either direction. Civil War. I will walk. (laughs) You don't want to see a movie about a robot uh, Thor? No. (laughs) The thing is, no, I do not. The the thing is, I'm really excited for all these because at the end of the day, I I have the time of my life at those movies in the theater. Yeah, and so you know. Sure, it's kind of crazy they dumped the next five years of their schedule on us at once, but whatever. I'm excited but we still, for But we still don't know who's going to be in any of the movies, so the well, internet still has its, its speculation articles, <laughs> and I thank Marvel for that. <laughs> Doctor Strange has probably been at Cumberbatch. That's been the news this, this week. That seems to be from all uh, my sources telling me that's probably what's happening. But Which, which, a month ago, everyone was begging for Marvel to get Benedict Cumberbatch into the Doctor Strange role. And now everyone's like, no, dumb, dumb. Yeah. Don't do it, Marvel. It's stupid. Well, the thing about, the thing about life is it's much American? more enjoyable if you don't read much of the internet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's what we found since retiring from my fanboys' daily activities. So you, you <laughs> tend to enjoy these things much more when you don't read that stuff. But so, you go so real question, though. Yeah. Uh, like – are you really excited? Are you like I can't wait for these? Or are you like oh that'll be that'll be fine when it comes? Where are you on that continuum? Well, the thing is, it's like it, like anything else. The more of something you have, the less inherently exciting it is. So. Well, you know, and that's the thing. And as I've yeah. said for a while, I'm I'm now over. I, I I'm I'm getting annoyed with the sentence. I can't believe we live in a world where well, yeah, you can because <laughs> it's been this way for a long time. I can't believe they can send information over the air. Like, you, you know, it's we're, we're all fine with it. Well, the thing is, like, when the, so when the first Avengers movie came out, obviously there was a level of excitement you're never going to match because it was the first time that ever happened. Now, mm-hmm. we're going to get, by the time the fourth one comes out, I'm not going to be as excited, but the thing is, it's still the characters and the actors I, I love uh, doing the things they love. So, Admittedly, much older and limpier. Right, I mean, you're going to have a <laughs> nearly 50-year-old Iron Man by that point, but... Um, so but I mean, the fact that, am, the fact am, that a movie appropriate amount of excited for movies that aren't going to come out for another year to five years. Yeah, but but I mean, even if Avengers: Infinity War is ten percent of the crazy the comic story is, mm-hmm. it's going to be great the, to see that on a big screen. If that was true, we'd all be super excited about that second GI Joe movie. <laughs> <laughs> and we're not, and we weren't. Well, they didn't I mean, do like, the broadcast is... energy transmitter for that one, though. Did they? If they did, we would have been more excited. I would have. You'd have told me out of like I like you to you know Josh. Actually, Shea that Polk second won. one was pretty fun. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I I loved it. Are you gonna see it again? Uh, if it's on TV, probably. Yeah, so that doesn't count. 
<laughs> no, but these are different level. And I think the reason well, here's why my thing, I'm not though. aside for the DC movies is because I, 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 I went to Avengers and I was fine with it. I wasn't as excited that year as I was to go see Lincoln, but that's me. Uh, you know, I haven't <laughs> seen it since. You're not the audience for these movies, though. I know I'm not. I know. It's funny because no matter how many times I've said that, people think I still am. You must be psyched about the Inhumans. No. I guess. You know, it's fine. Good. I read comics. I liked those. That's fine. A movie is a different thing. Did you, like Winter, did you like Winter Soldier? I did. I liked Winter Soldier a lot. I thought it was really good. But in the sense that, like, I watched it, and I was like, that was really enjoyable. But it's not going to be a movie that I'm going, like, like, I like comic books that do a certain thing. And I like a different type of movie. You, like, you know what? Like, as a cinema I, fan. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to side with you on this one. I rarely rewatch Marvel movies. I get really excited to see them in theaters, but I rarely rewatch them. I have no, no I don't, I don't, desire I don't, to. I don't talk about them like I do, you know, like like my like I have favorite movies that I you know I I quote to my friends that I think about that I watch over and over again. They're not these movies, yeah. The, you know, and I I I like them. They're fun. It's cool, but it's also there's no newness to them anymore that they can do it. It's great, but at a certain point, like I don't want all movies to be this. Which is but, the which is the thing that is the problem. And we, yes, this is actually a discussion that we had in the Birdman podcast we put out this week, and more on that later, but. You know, as you can like these movies and also not be comfortable with the fact that this is all that Hollywood is doing now. Mm-hmm. You know, between these movies, the DC movies and the Sony movies and the Fox movies, you're looking at dozens and dozens of superhero movies over the, you know, for the course of the next few years. And it's a lot. It's a lot. It really is. And it, you, it, you have to wonder at what point during this timeline is, is the public going to go, all right. It's not know, about us at all. It's about the Russian public and the Chinese public. Well, who, whatever public, somebody's going to eventually had it. You know, it's like that 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 old line, like somewhere is a supermodel and someone is. But sick they they're they're ten years behind us. Yeah, they've only started getting these movies recently. So we we've been doing this since two thousand, but China's only been getting these movies for the last couple of years. I don't remember get the we, sense that we're sick of them yet. I mean, no, remember so. when we remember when we got excited that they were making a sequel to X Men, and it was a great yeah, movie. It was, and the most recent one was awesome. But the thing is, like, if you go back to the 50s, they made a shitload of westerns mm-hmm. because people were into that, and it stopped eventually. Right. You know, because people had had enough. And, and that, you know, I mean, I guess that makes sense then to flog it as much as possible. Well, but I feel like the big difference there is that there, you can only have so many cowboys, right? Cowboys whoa, whoa, I, are, I whoa. Are, not at all. Are, in, whoa. are inherently the same. Wow. Okay. Well, okay. <laughs> Where's the eject from let's, the call button? Let's go there now then, shall we? I watched the pilot for The Flash, the show that everybody is way into. And what I came out of it was that I'm watching another remedial superhero story told well, but sort of rejiggered for a general audience. And the thing that he's sitting there at the end asking is, can I be a hero? Am I good enough? That's a generic superhero story, any way you look at it. I know, and it's the same deal. It's, it's, there's themes and stuff that you're going to be doing just like in Westerns, and you're going to end up using them up. And then eventually, these superhero movies are going to get to the point where they're niche and they're doing uh, subtext stuff, like, like they're doing uh, Unforgiven, where they're deconstructing the superhero. Yeah. That'll be interesting. <laughs> Although they're kind of doing that already with like, you know, indie movies, Super, and stuff like that. Well, I think the, one of the, the only 
slight differences with the Marvel movies, if you compare them to you know either Fox, Sony, DC, whatever, um, is that the each of them has sort of had their own little bit of flair in terms of feeling like uh, some form of genre film. Um, like, I mean, the first Captain America is a very different feel than the second one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can appreciate trying to make changes like that. And I, as far and as long as they keep doing things like that, I think I'll be interested. Well, they got a straight up horror director to do Doctor Strange, right? So, we'll so see. you know, so yes, they are superhero movies, but the directors and stuff that they're getting are, you know, make them different. Uh, it, well, I will give you that. Like they, they have, they've done that while at the same time maintaining uh, a continuity between them. Yeah, which is actually commendable and it's actually something that i've always liked about superhero comics is that they all exist in the world the characters are consistent across them but that you know one book can feel very different than another so that's neat and uh, you know I, I, i'm not I, they, they haven't made a bad movie well you know, iron man 2 was pretty bad yeah you're right iron man 2 is awful <laughs> but if you'd seen iron man 2 without having seen any of the other ones you'd be like it's amazing i don't know okay you're right it's piece of, it was a piece of shit so Favreau uh, didn't want to be there. No one did. It's fine. <laughs> I uh, I'm excited for these. I do love these. I do actually watch them. I own them all in Blu-ray, and I watch them. I've watched every one of them at least once or twice. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I got I, I I got time. There's a lot of things happening between now and the next one. So yeah, I'm not gonna yeah. go nuts. But my kids will be much older then. They'll be going. Uh, they'll be they'll be wanting to go to all those. You were taking no, Oliver kids, every one of them. Oliver's a weird kid, man. He's. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to go see this? And he'll be like, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, but please, I've been waiting for you to be old enough to do this. No, no I'm, not. I'm not really into anything you are, Dad. Okay. Well, Henry's five. He'll be five by the time the third yeah. of Avengers comes out. Yeah, Jesus. he'll be driving a motorcycle. When I was five, I was reading G.I. <laughs> Joe. Yep. All about Vietnam, getting your face blown off in a retrospectively. Retroactively or retrospectively, I learned a lot about Vietnam era weaponry. Yeah, totally. I was thinking about it, like I knew words like howitzer mm-hmm. and the Browning machine gun, because all of that stuff was just Vietnam era weaponry, and we we ha- like we had it. I had a cold. I read those cards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's weird. Chief warrant officer. <laughs> I still don't uh, really know what that means, but that was Duke, wasn't it? I think so. I think I think I think a lot of them were warrant officers. Yeah. We should interview. Yeah. We should inter- We should have interviewed Larry Hammond and asked him what a warrant officer was. was. We were we were intimidated. There's a few that we've been intimidated. Larry Hammond. if you ever interview Hammond, find out what a warrant officer is. Because <laughs> there's no other way <laughs> for, us to, for us to get that information. We got to find the Vietnam era vet comic book writer slash writer. So uh, that's it for the show. We didn't. We going to skip the uh, emails. Is people. he the one who would bring the loaded gun to the office? Yes. God, I love that story. And we're going to skip the emails because we went long on movies. So uh, You don't get to do that story today. Contact. No one gets to bring a loaded gun into the Marvel office and then have an anecdote told about it later. Those were different days. Contact at iFanboy.com or call voicemail line 888-FANBOY-326-2697. Um, quick, quick, quick plugs. Uh, we did an unexpected podcast this week. Me and uh, former iFanboy writer Mike Romo and uh, someone named Ron Richards discussed Birdman or the Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance. No, you let him back? Podcast. Brought it back for, for a long time. Very interesting movie. Very interesting discussion. But please, please do not listen to it unless you've seen the movie because uh, it's best to know as little as possible about the film before going I'm, into it. I'm going to be a while then. 
Because so, I guarantee it's not open in here. But if you did, I can guarantee that's only 50 screens all across the entire country. So, but if you did see the movie, please give it a listen and then drop some comments in the comment section so we can talk about it because there's a lot to talk about in that film. Also, uh, Paul and I fit, wrapped up our discussion the DC pilots with talking about Constantine uh, two weeks ago, or last week. So listen to that one. Josh was not on it. You can stop asking why. Wait, 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 wait. I'll tell you why. Because people say to me, hey, some version of Constantine's, Constantine on TV is better than no version, right? And I say no. <laughs> no. But Josh, you are, one, the comics donut guy, and then two, the comics Constantine guy. American version, yeah, sure. But not Constantine. Yeah. Constantine. Big difference. Hellblazer. That John. That John is hinted at in this show. You've let the internet down. John. And he has a short fucking jacket. <laughs> Plug your website. Comicbook.com. It's really easy to remember. Real easy to type in. You got real lucky with that one. (laughs) It's no CVR.cc. How much of your content would you say, what percentage is is TV and movie-based versus comic-based? Our audience uh, comes in from uh, the movies and TV stuff, and we're looking to build up our, our comics content. Um, I would say it's mostly TV and movie news right now, but we're looking to change that. Is it movie stills? Nah, I don't. Well, sometimes. Sometimes uh, stills. You know. That was the old joke on the iFanboy. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> movie stills. You got to post with movie stills. Always the top. Once, I still get I still get an email with like previews to run, yeah. and I just am never so happy as deleting that email. <laughs> Not because I really hated the previews, but it was just a pain in the ass to load. Oh yeah, then the thing would we, break. We do a lot of uh, Easter egg stuff from the various TV shows and oh, movies good. and things like that, and so people seem to to dig that and, and things like and you know, but uh, but yeah, it's a little site. It's growing. Well, there you growing, go. Growing pretty fast, but uh, you know, so it's check, a good one. Check out comicbook.com for you. all your movie stills yeah. news, and you can listen to Birdman and the Constantine podcast over at ifanboy.com, where you can come on this show, talk about this week's books, find all of our other podcasts. Everything's happening at ifanboy.com. Yeah, uh, you can follow iFanboy at twitter.com slash iFanboy or facebook.com slash iFanboy. And you can follow us individually at C.S. Kilpatrick or at Fuzzy Typewriter. I forget that guy. Or Jay Flanagan. Uh, that's me. And then you're, what are you, Jay Viscardi? Is that what it Jim is? Jim Viscardi. Okay, that was close. Yep. I found you eventually. Finally, if you'd like to share a writer review on iTunes or better yet, tell your friends about us, it's the best way to help people find the podcast is to write a review. It helps, helps them bubble up in iTunes and that's how they know if they like it or not. And if you are writing a review for a different show, feel free to slag off Josh. It's a, it's <laughs> a completely normal thing to do to talk about Josh on another person. We addressed this last week. <laughs> I'm doing it again. There's no okay, point in letting it die. I will tell you, this week I kind of sounded like an arrogant dill hole. <laughs> 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 I, I mean, I, like I did. I've sounded super negative. I was, I was kind of just playing geek devil's advocate, really. Right. Because, because that conversation. The fact of the matter is, as soon as we sign off, you're going to forget this conversation ever even happened. Oh wait, are you done? Sorry, I, I was halfway away. <laughs> so, <laughs> looking at that Bruce Tim art. I'm on the toilet right now. <laughs> Thanks, Jim, for coming on. Despite what just happened there, uh, appreciate it. And I know how difficult it is to deal with him, but thank you for coming on. <laughs> I love being referred to as him when I'm right here. <laughs> you know when your pronoun is him and you enunciate it a little bit? Yeah. So that's it for this week's show. Thanks for listening. I'm Connor. I'm Josh. I'm Jim. 
There you go. So